Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hi, I'm Sabrina Steerwald, and I'm Everyday Einstein, bringing you quick and dirty tips to help you make sense of science. Today's episode is brought to you by another great science podcast on the Quick and Dirty Tips Network called Savvy Psychologist. In 10-minute episodes, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson unpacks the psychology behind everyday struggles and offers practical advice. She helps with topics ranging from how to make friends as an adult to how to help someone struggling with mental illness. She's funny, engaging, and reliable, and she's always a pleasure to listen to. You can read her transcripts at quickanddirtytips.com or look up Savvy Psychologist wherever you listen to podcasts. In the Northern Hemisphere, winter is upon us, and for those living far enough from the equator, that means snow, and lots of it. According to the long-range weather forecast from the Farmer's Almanac, the 2019 winter will be colder than normal with plenty of snow. According to the National Snow and Ice Data Center, snow can cover up to 46 million square kilometers, that's almost 18 million square miles, of the globe each year. And nearly every location in the United States has seen snowfall at some point. Even you, Florida. So let's take a look at the science of snowfall. Where does it snow and how? Is it really true that no two snowflakes are ever alike? What does snowfall tell us about the Earth's overall climate? And for those, like me, who live somewhere without snow, I'll tell you how to make your own. Before we get into the answers to those questions, I want to tell you about a true crime podcast called Case Closed. It's hosted by renowned true crime editor Charlie Spicer of St. Martin's Press, and it's based on the thrilling book Crazy for You by crime reporter Michael Fleeman. On a crisp November morning in 2010, Rusty Snyderman drove his son to preschool in Dunwoody, Georgia. It was quiet and peaceful until a silver minivan pulled into the preschool parking lot. Then four gunshots rang out and Rusty was dead. Rusty's murder sparked an investigation that revealed deep family secrets and a $2 million conspiracy. And now you can hear every detail on the riveting new podcast, Case Closed. Who killed Rusty Snyderman? What did the killer want? And did Rusty's case ever see justice? Find out on Case Closed. Listen at stitcherpremium.com slash case closed. That's stitcherpremium.com slash case closed. Now, back to snowfall. For snow to form, two conditions have to be met. First, there has to be some amount of moisture in the air. This is why some deserts, like the dry valleys of Antarctica, can have no snow despite being very, very cold. This dependence on moisture also leads to what is often called lake effect snow, or heavy snowfall near a large lake. Cold, dry air passing over a lake will gain moisture from the warmer water below. Colder air also has a harder time holding on to water vapor, which means that snowfall is rarer at very cold temperatures, but more common at temperatures that are just below freezing. Which brings us to the next requirement. 
the temperature has to be cold enough or below zero degrees Celsius or 32 degrees Fahrenheit. And that temperature refers to atmospheric temperature or the temperature in the layer of atmosphere above us where the snow will form. If the temperature on the ground is also cold enough, snow will reach the ground and accumulate. Otherwise, it can melt when it reaches the warmer layers of air, which usually happens if the ground temperature is more than 5 degrees Celsius, or 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Snow can fall as either single snowflakes, which are themselves clusters of ice crystals, or as clusters of snowflakes clumped together. Snowflakes are always symmetric and six-sided. When a droplet of water meets a pollen or dust particle in the atmosphere, they merge to create an ice crystal. Water vapor in the air will then freeze onto this original ice crystal, building outward into the arms of a snowflake. The symmetric and six-sided nature of the snowflake arises from the fact that the water molecules have their own internal order. In other words, the oxygen and hydrogen atoms that make up a water molecule fit together most efficiently in a hexagonal or six-sided pattern. So it is true that no two snowflakes are alike. Snowflakes get their shapes based on the atmospheric conditions they pass through on their way to the ground, conditions like temperature and humidity. Since no two of those original ice crystals, the ones that will build into snowflakes, take the same path to the ground, each crystal has to make its own journey through its own unique set of atmospheric conditions. For example, snowflakes formed at 23 degrees Fahrenheit tend to appear elongated, while snowflakes formed at a colder 5 degrees Fahrenheit tend to be flatter. However, the six arms of a single snowflake all share the same journey, and so they remain identical, resulting in a symmetric snowflake. Most snowflakes are no bigger than half an inch across, but if the conditions are just right, specifically near-freezing temperatures, not a lot of wind, and an unstable atmosphere, snowflakes as large as two inches are possible. Individual weather events, like snowstorms or blizzards, are linked to the overall climate of the planet, the variations in patterns of temperature, humidity, and precipitation over long timescales. For example, snow cover helps regulate the Earth's surface temperature, and snow melt replenishes the water supply in rivers and lakes. Thus, warmer or shorter winters with less consistent snowfall and shrinking glaciers can be signs of a shrinking water supply to come. Snow also has a very high albedo, which means snow is very good at reflecting sunlight. Plants and dirt reflect only about 10 to 30% of sunlight, while snow can reflect up to 90% of the sun's rays. This reflection of sunlight by snow cover helps maintain a cooler planet by sending that solar energy back out into space. So how can I make my own snow? There are many recipes for making your own snow at a range of consistencies, from powdery to slimy. As an example, mixing equal amounts of cornstarch and baking soda into a bowl and then adding water slowly until you can form a snowball with your hands will allow for a snowball fight even in warmer weather. If your snow gets too runny, don't worry. Just add more cornstarch and baking powder. And for something even easier, there are instant snow powders that you can buy. Just add water. Until next time, this is Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Helping You Make Sense of Science. 
You can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter where I'm at QDT Einstein. If you have a question that you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.